Welcome to the Living Room Worship Podcast with your host, Crystal Lester. Join me now in my living room so we can explore in a fresh way what worship really looks like in everyday life. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Crystal here again with Living Room Worship Live. I'm so excited to be sharing with you again. As always, I really love this podcast. I've been enjoying season one so far. I hope that you guys have too. Please definitely leave a leave a message. Uh, you guys can send a message through Anchor or you can leave a comment. You can rate me, review me, all that stuff. Uh, connect with me on social media. I'm always looking forward to connecting with my audience. Um, but we are right in the middle of the biggest shopping season of the year. Um, We just had Thanksgiving. So, of course, you know, as soon as dinner was done, people were rushing to the stores for all of those Black Friday deals, even on Thursday, if that's even possible. But apparently it is. (laughs) And then we had Small Business Saturday, which I definitely participate in as a small business owner. And then tomorrow is Cyber Monday. It is a big, big, big week for businesses and shoppers alike. And so naturally, I thought that it would be interesting to talk about something that is kind of a sore spot when it comes to religion and faith and trying to understand where it all fits tithing and offering. Where does that come from? How does that fit in? How do we pursue Jesus when it comes to our money? Unfortunately, I have been a part of ministries in the past um, where preachers have abused their authority when it comes to tithes and offering and they coerce um, tithes out of people based on their personal agendas. And I've also seen it done the right way. Um, I've been a part of ministries, including the ministry I'm a part of now and the one that I grew up in, where tithing and offering was taught the proper way. It was about obedience to God. It's about honoring God in your giving and not having some type of emotional message that if you don't give, then, you know, you should feel shamed and you should feel uh, down and out. And, you know, little Timmy is going to die because you didn't give 10 cent or something like that. Um, I, I don't really agree with that mentality. Um, and I just, I want to clear up some things and just share my thoughts on, on what it is that I believe tithing is supposed to be, uh, what I've gathered from it and how it applies to pursuing Christ. Again, that's always the foundation for this podcast and understanding what does everyday practical things look like when it comes to pursuing Christ? How do we worship in an everyday living situation? And so with all of this Christmas shopping, you know, how do we worship with money? Are we worshiping money? Um, you know, what's, what's the real thing that we're supposed to be doing? Um, why does God want our money? You know, that's a, a really good question to ask. And I think it's a, it's a valid thing that people ask because it doesn't really make sense. It's like, you know, do people think that God is sitting up with a bank account, stacking up our checks and sipping a Mai Tai in, in Tahiti, like just chilling? I think some people do think that, but I don't believe that that's true. So I kind of want to take a step back for a second and talk about what the history of the tithe is. Where did it come from? So I'm not going to get too much into detail because we could be here literally all night. But in the Old Testament, you have the tribes of Israel and um, the Levitical tribe or the tribe of Levi. They were the ones who were basically like the pastors and the preachers. They were the church, the clergymen, whatever you want to call it. 
They were the ones who carried the Ark of the Covenant. They were the ones who um, basically held church, who did the sacrifices. They would perform the weddings. They would pray for people when they were sick. They would intercede on your loved one's behalf if they needed healing or if they were dealing with the, the loss of a loved one. They would go to the Lord on behalf of the people. They were the prophets. They were the praise and worship leaders. That's who Levi was. Um, and so when the, the Levites would do this, the way that, that God set it up. So God has the tribes of Israel and, you know, they're, they've come out of uh, Egypt already. They're, they're marching into their promised land. And when they get there, God gives them all allotments of land. So back in that time, land meant money. Not that it doesn't mean money now, but just in modern day, especially American culture, um, there, there wasn't currency like we have it today. So you had land and you had animals. And so they had, everybody got a piece of land except for the Levites. And so the way God set it up was that the Levites, they would handle, they, they were tasked with keeping people in line spiritually. They were tasked with the, the spiritual well-being of all the other tribes. And in turn for that, because it was such an all-consuming thing, you think about um, pastors who are really passionate about being shepherds, um, who really have a walk in a pastoral grace, they're available all the time. They're the ones who get the calls in the middle of the night to come to the hospital. They're the ones who are supposed to be able to, uh, you know, pray with you when you're going through a hard time after five o'clock, they can't say, Oh, it's after hours. I can't talk to you. If you really need someone, they're the ones who are supposed to be there to counsel you, to check in with you, to check up on you, to help you when you're in need. And so in order to do that, you know, they, they don't have a regular schedule. Like you and I might go to a daytime job. Uh, some of them do, but for the most part, especially when it comes to the Levites, this was their thing all the day long. If someone needed something when it came to, you know, pursuing God and, and being a right standing with God, the Levites were on call. And so because of that, they didn't have time to tend to land and to raise herds and to do all those things. And so if they didn't have time to do that, then they wouldn't eat unless, and this is what God called them to do. They called all, he called all of the other tribes to give a portion of their land to the Levites. That was their tithe. And so it really originates in Leviticus, when God is, is telling them to bring a tenth of their of their finances or their land uh, to the Levites. So I really believe that is how this was supposed to be laid out. And I want to kind of give, this is Crystal one-on-one, just my thought process behind it. How does that all fit into how we live our lives today, right? Um, like I said before, it's, it's not like God is, is stacking up checks in his bank account. Like that's not how it works. God doesn't need our money. What I believe is that God is so big and so great that he sees and meets the need of every single person. And he also desires to use us to meet those needs. He desires, uh, he desires to have us in the process because he loves having a relationship with us. God spoke the world into being. He spoke the universe into being. That's if we profess our faith, that's what we believe. And so if we believe that God is who he says he is, he could absolutely just say the word, you know, all your bills are paid off and they have to be paid off period, because that's the kind of God that we serve. And so it's not like he can't do it. It's the, the fact that God just wants us to be a part of it. You know, it makes me think about all the times that I used to help my mom in the kitchen preparing a meal. It's not that she needed my help. My mom has always been an amazing cook. Uh, she has been living at home 
with my father since I moved out several years ago. And so, I mean, she's getting along just fine doing all the cooking by herself, but she enjoyed including me in that. She enjoyed teaching me and, and molding me and shaping me into the wife and the woman that I am today. And it's because of those times, like I had the privilege and honor of, of being her sous chef. And it's not because she needed me to do it. It's because she wanted me to be a part of the process. And I think we have to think about that sometimes when it comes to uh, God and, and just the things that he calls for us to do. It's not because it's a punishment or because God is this mean kid sitting on an anthill. Yes, I'm, I'm quoting Bruce Almighty. But seriously, uh, we have to really think about why does God want me to do this? I think most of the time it's because he wants us to be a part of the process. And that to me is, is just worth everything. That's really cool that this great big God wants little old me to help me, to help him, um, to be a part of the process. He wants to use me. And so I, I want to give a couple of scriptural refer references in uh, Proverbs 3, 9. And this is um, out of the Passion Translation 9 and 10. It says, glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best with every increase that comes to you, then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. So what did I just say? The Bible says that if we glorify God with all of our wealth, honoring him with our very best, with every increase that comes to you, that means literally anything that's given to you. So like if somebody just blessed you with a big bowl of food or something like that, and there's somebody around you that's hungry, share. I guarantee you that there will be enough for you and for them because it's the principle. God is going to give to those who give. Um, if you just, you know, you got your check, like give. And it's not because, you know, the pastor wants to drive a Bentley or something like that. We should give because God tells us to give. It's about trust. It's about faith. It's about being obedient to his commandment. It's about being obedient to the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit, which is to give. Um, our tithes and offering, they help keep the lights on. They help keep the doors open for those who need a place to, to learn about God and to receive the Holy Spirit. They help uh, their benevolence programs that many ministries across the world have in place so that when members of the church are struggling, they can help pay their bills. I have received some of that help in times of financial hardship in my household. And it's been such a blessing to know that I could go to my local church and say, hey, we need some help covering the bills this month because we're having a bit of trouble. And they came through on it. And, you know, we still have our house. We still have everything that we that we have. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that and for the people who are obedient to giving um, and who do it cheerfully because God blesses them and blesses me in the process. And so the other part of that, every dimension of your life will, will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. I believe that that uncontainable source of inner joy is Christ in us. And so when we have every dimension, like think about that, every dimension of your life is overflowing with blessings. When we give, when you give something like, I'll tell you, maybe this makes me nerdy or something like that, but I love Christmas not because of the things that I get. Now I'll admit when I was a kid, I, all day, I was, I was believing in Santa Claus, even though I knew, I mean, like, come on guys, there's no way this big fat guy was jumping down a chimney 
and like leaving presents and eating cookies. I knew all along that my dad was eating cookies and putting up my bikes and my Barbie house. <laughs> but I believed in it because I'm like, I'm just looking for what I want to get. I had this nice long list. Santa Claus, give me this sitting on Santa Claus lap. That's a whole different topic. We're not even going to get into that. But anyway, <laughs> you know, being a good girl and all of that and parents, don't act like you don't buy into it because that's a surefire way to get your kid to straighten up their act around the holidays. Oh, if you're not good, Santa's going to check his list. But anyway, so um, I bought into it as a kid because I was so focused on what I wanted. I thought Christmas was a way for me to get what I wanted. And I'm being honest. I'm not proud of it. That was just, you know, as children, sometimes we're focused on that because we have to be taught to be givers and it's not something innate that comes out of us like, oh, let me just give everything I have. We're naturally selfish. We're naturally self-sufficient and self-centered and we have to learn how to be focused on other people. And so as an adult, quite honestly, the thing that I look forward to the most when it comes to Christmas is giving the gifts. There is nothing more joyful in my opinion than watching someone open a gift that I put thought into to give to them I just I love it I, I love knowing that you know it'll make their life easier or it'll give them a laugh or it'll make them smile or sometimes tears of joy that just blesses me so much so that's a part of those dimensions it's like I give because it's something that the Lord calls me to do but then I also feel good about giving because I feel like I made a difference in someone's life, not just on Christmas, but anytime that I might share a meal with someone who's homeless and begging for food, or even if there, it's not a homeless person, maybe it's someone at church that, you know, they're new and I, I haven't seen them before and I want to treat them to lunch or something like that. Like, I just feel good on the inside. And then I kid you not, I am a witness to say that God always, always, always provides. He always gives. I'm getting ahead of myself, but seriously, like this, this time of thing is, is dope. So I want to talk really quickly about the proof that tithing is not just about the money. It's, it's not about the physical dollars or the check or the electronic giving that you give. It's a basic principle, but it doesn't excuse people from being indecent human beings. It, no, it doesn't excuse people from being decent human beings. What do I mean by that? On the other side of the spectrum, you know, you have on one side people saying that they don't tithe or they don't give because they feel like the church abuses the money. But on the other side, you have the people who say, oh, well, I give this much and I go to all these type of events and I do this and I do that. And they have all of these works, but they don't have real faith or real relationship. You know, you give hundred dollar checks every time, you know, the hundred dollar line comes up, but your attitude is really bad. And, you know, you make people feel bad about themselves. That's not honoring God. And so in Matthew 23, 23, the new living translation, Jesus is, is talking and he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful, careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So what is Christ saying at that point? Tithing is important. It's a basic principle. It's something that we should do. However, it does not take the place of the basic things that God wants us to, to pursue. Justice, mercy, faith. 
We can't tithe and think we're buying our way into heaven. It does not take the place of faith. It enhances our faith. It it helps to produce faith. The Bible says that tithing helps to produce a reverence for the Lord. That's in Deuteronomy. And and so it's really it's a it's a response of faith. It's how we pursue God with our finances by tithing. Um, when it comes to, to justice and mercy, you know, I think that it's important to have those talks. Where is this money going? How is it being used? I will say, I'll be the first to say that there have been, um, altar calls, not altar calls. There have been offerings and, and different things that have been called for at different church services I've been to, um, throughout my area that I haven't participated in. And it's not because I think I'm too good or it's not, it may not even be because I didn't have anything to give, but it may have been because I observed and and I discerned that there was something unjust about the situation. You know, I, I believe firmly that we are to give in good ground. Does that mean that you should sit around and be like, oh, well, I don't know. I, I really don't know what's going on there. So I'm just not going to give. No. At the end of the day, people are people. They have their own will. Um, they can do whatever they're going to do, even if they put on a really good show and they make it seem like everything's going to be great. You never really know. So it's really more about your heart posture. But again, that goes back to discernment. You know, if I am asking the Holy Spirit, is this ground that I should sow into? He will say yes or no. And there have been times where I may have taken money instead of sewing in a, at a service that I was a guest at, maybe sewing instead into the person that's standing outside of the church who has a sign saying that they're hungry. Here, go take this and get some food. Um, there have been plenty of times that I've shopped in a grocery store and saw someone sitting on the side of the, of the store with a bag of stuff, just sitting there looking sad. Now they could have a habit, they could have, um, you know, ulterior motives, but because the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart to go do something about it, I would shop for them and come out with a bag of groceries. Not because I want to be seen, not because, you know, my pastor told me to, or because the Holy Spirit led me to do that. And it gives me great joy to be obedient to Christ and then also to help other people who are in need. Because I would hope that someone would help me when I was in need too. Um, and so kind of, Going forward with that, the way I see it, God calls men to help lead us and teach people about him. So those are like our pastors. And in turn, the people, which would be us who aren't pastors, help pour into them so that they can keep making disciples. But get this, every pastor should be accountable to someone else. So they're still required to sow as well. And the thing about it is that it's a revolving door. God is faithful to give seed to the sower. That's a biblical principle. Um, Where is that scripture? That comes out of 2 Corinthians 9. And I'm going to touch on that in just a second. But um, it, it doesn't mean that, okay, if I'm a pastor, then I don't have to tithe. No, because you still have to sow. It's a biblical principle. It's about faith, not about the money. But again, like the more that you are sowing into the ministry, the more people you can help, the more people tell about uh, the gospel of Christ. Like that's the purpose of the tithe. It's to help provide resources and it's, it's a faith matter. Um, so again, it's not just about money. It's also about resources. It's about our time. It's about our gifts. It's about our energy. Um, we have to be mindful of how we spend our time. My pastor was just talking about that today. You know, the same way that people can abuse 
the need for your money. They can abuse the need for your time. If you spend more time serving at the local church and your family doesn't know who you are, you know, your children don't recognize you or they, they know you to be a, a faithful servant, but they don't know you to be a father or they, they know you to be a faithful servant, but they don't know you to be a mother um, or a wife to your husband, then you're, you're not, you're not doing it the right way. You're sacrificing, but you're not being obedient. And it's important for us to know the difference between the two. I know this is a meaty topic, but I really hope that it's making sense the way that I'm I'm sharing it because it's it's how God has shared it with me. So I have I have one last sentiment that I want to share um, when it comes to this topic. Um, actually, two. <laughs> so in John twenty one fifteen through eighteen. Um, it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's basically, you know, this is the, the scripture where he's like, hey, do you love me? And and Simon Peter's like, yeah, God, you know, I love you. You know, you know, my, you know, you my dude. Right. And Jesus is like, OK, well, then, you know, take care of my people. And then he asked him again, do you love me? And Simon Peter's like, Jesus, you know, I love you. You know, and, and Simon is, is feeling some kind of way because he's just like, man. Like how many times you gonna ask me this? It's like when when a girl I know I'm I know I'm definitely one of those girls who constantly asks her man not because I don't know I just like hearing it but then I also I don't think that was Jesus' purpose. Oh, that's me hearing right there. Anyway, <laughs> um, even though I know that my husband loves me, it's nice to hear, but then it also you know leads into a question. It's like okay, you love me. Um, can you, can you do this? Can you show your love? Because love is an action word. It's not just all these, uh, ooey gooey feelings like, oh, it's nice to hear that, but show, show your love by doing. And so I believe that's what Jesus is doing here. So he says, um, you know, then feed my lambs, feed my sheep, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes. Lord Peter said, you know, I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Then the third time he asked them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. And it's, it's interesting that Jesus says this three times in a row, back to back. And from Jesus' perspective, like this must have been super important. This is, uh, I know my teachers used to always say, like, if I repeat this more than two times, you better know that it's going to be on the test. This is something that you need to write down. You need to remember, you need to practice often. And so Jesus is asking this and saying to him, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my people, take care of my people over and over and over again. And he says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Now, according to my commentary, Jesus is predicting Peter's death at this point, which, of course, we learn about in the Gospels that uh, Peter denied Christ three times after Christ was taken into, cust into custody and eventually he was executed. And so we can look at that picture within the text, the context of this passage, but I also want to offer you this for consideration. If you think about how children are 
kind of free to go and, and they're off doing their own thing. They don't have any cares or responsibilities. I know, again, I'll be the first to say I had all the plans for my dad and my mom's money because I felt like they just had it. It's just like whenever I would ask for it, you know, they just, they just had money. They were always paying bills. I'm like, I know you got it, right? That's how children, that's how children think. They just, you know, they just know we got money. They, can we go to eat? Do you have eat money? No, you got eat money, you know? And so we, we have all this freedom and we kind of do what we want to do. But then when we get older, you know, we stretch out our hands. And so where am I going with that? We get older and we need help. We get older and we need someone to, guide us we need some instruction on how to spend our money take it a little bit further when you look at like the actual visual visual representation of this scripture when we're young we do what we like we dress ourselves and we go where we want to go so that may be me as a millennial um i'm pretty financially independent as far as when it comes to you know not going to other people for money my husband and i we work for a living and God blesses us with what we have and we're able to kind of move about and do what we want. But when we get older, you know, maybe I, I hope that this isn't the case, but maybe we'll need help. Maybe we will need someone to kind of look after us to help us figure out how we're going to pay our bills, how we're going to keep up with the times and, and what, you know, new technologies come in, just like I do for my parents now, helping them to navigate the different social media and the different online tools that they didn't grow up using at the end of the day what i think is being said here is that um there is this cycle of need and help and we're responsible to do our part in each part of the cycle when we're able to give the help to those in need we should give it because someday we're going to be the ones who are in need hoping that someone else is able to give the help that we need and then the last scripture that i want to i want to reference here comes from second corinthians 9 verse 10 through 13, and this is the New Living Translation. I think that this really sums up quite nicely an, a conversation on tithing. And I think that it's important to consider as we pursue Jesus and giving, we should think about what he valued, like I said earlier. He wants to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. So naturally, he will continue to take good care of you while you are taking care of others. So the passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians, it says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat and, re and recognize that it's in that order. He will not only give seed like the seed is how the farmer eats. If you think about it, like it's, it's so practical. And when I discovered this for myself, I thought about tithing in a, in a totally different way. God provides the seed to the sower. He provides that money that you need to start that business. He provides the, the resources, the creative ideas to have that business going, right? He'll provide a, the, the work ethic for you to get hired at that job. He'll provide seed to the sower. And then he will provide bread to eat. If you think about the context of this scripture, if it's seed for the farmer, which in, in very realistic times back then, it was literally seed to the farmer. You would think like, okay, they grow seed and then, I mean, they plant seeds, grow food, and then they eat. But so why would it say after that and then bread to eat? Well, number one, it's a process. You can't, I mean, you can't eat some seeds, but you plant seeds to produce a harvest, whether it be trees or, you know, whatever, vines, grape, grape vines, all that kind of stuff. You have to plant the seed first to produce that harvest. But then on a, on a flip side of that, I also think we could take it a step further. Like what if what you produce 
isn't necessarily what feeds you. Maybe like I work for money. I don't eat the money. I use the money to buy food to eat. God provides the the thing that helps me to get money. And then he also provides the food for me to eat. Maybe the money that I earn is going toward bills. Maybe I'm tithing um, and, and then I'm paying my bills and there isn't a whole lot left over for me to eat. But God always provides for me to eat, you know, in, in that situation. I've been in a couple times in my life and God has always provided. And so going forward, it says in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. That right there is reason enough for me to be obedient to the word when it talks about giving and tithing so that God can get the glory out of it because it all belongs to him anyway so that I can help other people experience the generosity of God so that God can cultivate this ministry of giving on the inside of me so that he'll bless everything that I do because he knows I'm going to be faithful to give the first and the best gift that I have in all of my resources. You know, I am not much of a morning person, but I do aim to make the first thing that I do in the morning is to read scripture, to greet the Lord. I'm not perfect at it. I am working on it. I try to make sure that I am in church every week because I want to give that time to the Lord. I want to start that time, start my week off with being um, in in an assembly of other believers who I can spend time with and do life with. I want to make sure that as soon as I get any, any form of payment, I am tithing first because I want God to know, like, I thank you for blessing me with this seed and I am going to honor you with that first. And then I'm going to sow it. I'm going to sow it into my home. I'm going to sow it into my neighborhood, into my local church, into my family, into some strangers I don't know. I'm going to sow. And the more I sow, the more I get. I'm telling you, I'm not making this up. Like, this is literally my life. And so to bring it on home, what does all of this have to do with this season and what I've been talking about with Cyber Monday and Black Friday and all of these, this Christmas season of giving? Giving is important. It is the heart of God. It is uh, what God does best. He gives. He is the giver, right? He gives life. He gives peace. He gives truth and justice and strength to those who are weak. Um, and healing to those who are sick. And I believe that God loves a cheerful giver. I also think that it's really important for us to know that we don't have to get caught up in Cyber Monday and all the best deals and buy one, get one. It's not about material things. Sure, it's nice to get presents under the tree or wherever you put your presents. But more than that, we have to make sure that we do things in decency and in order. Um, we should give God what's due him. Maybe, just maybe, things are a little chaotic because we haven't been obedient in that principle of giving. Maybe God wants to bless us, but he has to know that he can trust us with what he gives us. 
maybe he has to know, like, if I give you this big promotion that you're not going to spend all of what I give you and, and squander it away like the prodigal son. Can I trust you with a whole lot of money to be a blessing to those around me? Because that's what's important to me. If you love me, you'll feed my sheep. Um, you know, it's, it's not just about the material gifts. And I'm not saying don't shop. I shopped. I also gave. I also tithed before I shopped. And I'm going to continue to give. I'm, and it's not, again, it's not just about money either. I want to give of my time. I'm sure there'll be um, an opportunity for me to serve in song or for me to feed some people that, that need some some meals this holiday season. It's, it's important for us to give cheerfully and to give with a heart that is obedient to Christ. I believe that is where worship and, and giving truly meet and intersect is about our heart, our heart posture and about knowing that we, we give to get God glory. If anything that we give, whether it be a Christmas gift or tithes and offering or time, um, space, whatever it is that we give, if it's not giving God glory, if we're not able to, to point that person into the direction of Christ and say, you know what, God blessed me with this, so I'm going to give of what I have, then we really need to reevaluate, is it worth it? You know, what are we doing it for? At the end of the day, that's where that's where the, the real pursuit of Christ lives when it comes to giving. So I know that I was kind of all over the place, but it's a it's an exciting topic for me because I've just learned so much about the faithfulness of God when it comes to giving. Um, even in, in hard times, God is just always so faithful and he just gives me he's so true to his word. He truly does give me just this pure joy on the inside. Um, in those moments when I'm able to to give and I'm, I'm truly grateful for every single opportunity to give. So uh, I hope that that was helpful. And um, I just I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for whoever's listening right now, God, if they have been struggling with the understanding of how to give, of if giving is, is right for them. Um, if, if they can trust the, the ground that they're going to sow into, Lord, I pray that you would just provide wisdom. Father, I pray that you would remove every ounce of confusion, every, every bit of um, condemnation that they may have picked up from a leader in their lives that have tried to coerce them to give something that wouldn't bring you glory. God, I pray that you would just continue to deal with our hearts. Help us to know um, when we should give, what we should give, oh God, help us to have the right posture, the right heart that we would give in a way that would honor you, that would glorify you, oh God. And I thank you, Father, that your word promises that you are faithful to give, oh God, as we give, that you would cause man to pour into our bosom um, uh, in, in a blessing pressed down, shaken together and running over, oh God. And I thank you, Father, that as we give, it shall be given to us, oh Lord, that as we give, you will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that we don't have room enough to receive it. You constantly talk about giving throughout your word. And so I know it's important to you. And I pray that you would just reveal to us by your Holy Spirit uh, why it should be important to us, Lord. And so we just thank you for this time and we thank you for your presence, oh God. Fill this earth and fast with 
with your presence, oh, fill our hearts with your truth, Jesus, fill our minds with your wisdom, oh God, help us to be cheerful gifts, God, to give you the glory, God. Help us be cheerful givers, oh God, oh to give you the glory. Help us to see our sisters and brothers in need, and to give what we have to feed your sheep, Lord. Help us to see the need. Oh, you bless us to be blessings. And we honor you with our giving. You bless us to be blessings. So we honor you with our giving. Help us be blessings when you bless us with things. Help us to give everything we have back to you. It all belongs to you, Jesus. Oh, open eyes to see of us that we may be a blessing as you bless us Jesus Jesus open our eyes to see every need among us help us be a blessing as you bless us with Jesus, give us the heart, a cheerful heart of a cheerful giver. Oh, bless us with the heart of a cheerful giver. With love and cheer, oh God, help us to give like you give, with love and a cheerful heart, help us to be like you, yeah. help us to be like you. Oh, help us to be like you. Oh, help us to be like you. Yeah, yeah. Help us to be like you. Oh, God, help us to be like you. Help us to be like you. Oh, 
guy Please help a stupid like you Help us to give like you And love like you Forgive like you And serve like you Help us to love like you Oh, and be like you Oh, walk like you And talk like you Oh, God, help us to give Please give seed to the soul If there's somebody who's listening who has been giving faithfully and they just they feel like they're still struggling I just want to encourage you today that God is truly faithful to his word so I know that maybe you've been giving and you just you feel like okay God but what about me I'm giving everything that I have all of my energy I'm giving my prayers I'm sowing the little money that I have but I'm still struggling God I pray that you would intervene on their behalf right now God that you would loose the blessings oh Lord that you promise your word says that you are not a man that you should lie nor the son of man that you should repent your word promises oh God that you are faithful to complete the work that you started God so I know that if you started the work of making someone a giver that you are faithful to complete it by blessing them because it's what your word promises so I pray that you will restore the hope of the giver yes God Restore the hope of the give. Restore the culture of the giver. Release the hearts of the giver. Sharpen our discernment. Help us know how to give and what to give, oh God. May everything we be that we give bring you glory. May everything we give bring you glory. Oh God, make a giver out of us. Giver of hearts, oh give us the heart to give to others. Jesus, oh giver of hearts give us the heart to give to others yeah, yeah. help us god oh help us god teach us what it means to give like you jesus Teach us what it means to give like you, oh. Give us everything we need to give to others, Lord. And we trust you to supply every need. Supply every need, oh. Yeah, yeah. We trust you, God. Hey, love. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to connect with you. Find me on social media at Crystal Luster. That's spelled Christ, A-L-L-U-S-T-E-R. So we can support each other in this life journey. And please leave a review for my podcast. 
I truly value your support. Until next time, say it with me. I am loved, I am destined for greatness, and I have the capacity to worship intimately. Have an amazing week. I'll catch you next time.